Welcome to Media Swap. I'm Kiefer. And TJ. Alright, and the concept behind this podcast, you should already know, is uh, we're both collectors. We collect physical media, some of our favorite art forms. Mine's music. I love collecting vinyl records. And TJ loves movies. He collects Blu-rays and DVDs and stuff like that. So we get together, we watch one movie and one album, we try to pair them together with a thematic through line, and then we get, and then we just talk about them. That's just the, that's the gist of it. Yeah, we were kind of already doing this before the podcast, and now we're putting it together on, and we're recording it and putting it out there for you all to listen to. Hopefully we got some other collectors or people who just love music and movies and want to uh, listen to our thoughts, so. Yeah. And it's it's cool to, you know, show off what we got and talk about our collections a little bit and, you know, just share in our love of collecting and, and all that. Um, so this week I brought not, not a record that isn't really rare or anything, but I, I like it and it's one of the only kind of its kind in my collection. It's it's kind of along the, the metal route, and it's not really my typical style. So um, I thought it was cool to get to branch out into different genres with what I'm bringing to the podcast and show a new, a new kind of style. Um, I brought Welcome to Sky Valley by Caius which might be a band you've never heard of. Like me. <laughs> it's not the not one of the most popular metal bands, but um, I think that maybe you've heard of Queens of the Stone Age, and um, Joshua Homme was in this band before he was in Queens of the Stone Age in the early 90s. Is he the lead singer of Queens of the Stone Age? He's the lead singer and guitarist of Queens of the Stone Age. He was but just the guitarist. In oh, okay, case. okay. Yeah. Yeah, I had never heard of them before, so this was the first time for me. Yeah, I I checked out Caius when I was first getting into Queens of the Stone Age, um, which was around my freshman year of college, about four or five years ago. Um, I first heard Songs of the Deaf, which is getting a little older now. I think it's almost considered dad rock at this point, but um, when I first heard it, it was kind of like, pushing the envelope for the amount of, like, the heaviness of rock that I'd tolerate, because I always shied away from heavy metal or hard rock in any form uh, when I was younger, and I'm certain I've pushed the envelope further and further since I first heard Queens of the Stone Age, and I think Caius was one of the first steps I took when listening to metal. Um, it was actually the first vinyl record I'd ever been loaned by a friend, and I don't think people normally loan records anymore, it's not a common practice in this day and age, um, I think it was more popular, you know, like in the 80s if you didn't have something to loan it, but I think it was, it was just like a fun thing to do, and, uh, so when I was introduced to metal, I was loaned this Caius record, as well as the first Black Sabbath record, the self-titled which is widely considered the first metal record ever recorded. <clears throat> when did that come out? Um, 1970-something. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um... 
So it's about like the seventies when metal was really kind of or like the origins of it. Yeah. So I think these records. I mean, I'd, I'd heard this Caius record before, but I think they were kind of like my primers in the trying harder, like pushing the envelope further into the type of harder rock that I'd be willing to try. And I think I've tried a lot of different stuff since then. So um, I think anybody should check out both of those records. I actually don't have any Black Sabbath records in my collection yet, but I hope to get the first few Sabbath records in my collection eventually, especially they're self-titled and paranoid. Um, so, the Caius album, well, I don't remember what year it came out exactly. It's been a minute. I think you told I me it was, it was 90s like when I was listening to it. or something. Because they were only together, like, the early, the first few years. I'll look it up. We'll look it up. How do I spell Caius? K-Y-U-S-S. Caius. Yeah, well, it's Welcome to Sky Valley is the name of the record, I think, sir. I think it was the third LP by this band. Sky Valley. They've gone through a couple of lineup changes. A lot of a couple of the people that played in Caius ended up being in Queens of the Stone Age at different points in time. Nineteen like Nick Oliveri. Nineteen ninety four. Nineteen ninety four. I was a young little lad. I wasn't even born yet. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I think it's may sound a little dated now. It it kind of sounds like a nineties record. Like, a lot of the stuff that was coming out in the, the grunge era and, like, how metal sounded in the 90s. I mean, it may kind of have that feel. You kind of noticed that a little bit. You were kind of saying that it sounds like your typical, you know, metal lead singer. Yeah. I really, I think the part I enjoyed the most about the album was the, like, the guitarists. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not just saying that because you said it was the guy from queens of the stone age but it was just this to me it was the standout of the music like Mm -hmm. i wasn't really necessarily listening and following along with the lyrics um it was mostly like they there's like there's a few songs on the album that just felt like it was the guitar solo stood out and that was the big like hot part of the yeah i don't know tracks that we're listening to i don't know is that typical what people will uh praise them for i guess i think their drummer's really good too brent bjork but uh yeah joshua homie i listen to everything that guy does i love queens of the stone he's one of my favorite bands and um his work in kais is great and he's done a lot of stuff i mean he's the drummer for eagles of death metal and uh he's done he's done the desert sessions mixtapes that one of them just came out last year that I liked a lot so yeah his, his guitar works great and the, it, it's always changing and unique and uh, there's a lot of good catchy riffs on this um, on Welcome to Sky Valley um, it's hard to really hit, hit, hit you with like a lot of thematic connections to anything uh, I mean that's something we'd like to try to do I just thought that picking up a heavier album would lead you to pick a heavier movie, something that, you know, 
Yeah, I didn't have a theme. I'm usually the theme <laughs> guy in our group. Um, he usually picks his album and gives me like kind of the rundown of what the album's about, maybe a theme that I can go work with. Um, or like in like last episode's case, I listened to the album and kind of came up with a theme through one of the tracks on the album. Um, I actually tossed around a couple ideas before we uh, settled on my movie Old Boy. Um, so I, I failed, and I did not have a th- connection between the two, but I'm sure we can maybe... I think you failed successfully, the old boy. Yeah, maybe we can come up with something on air. I don't know. Yeah, because you didn't even know if your copy was going to work when you Yeah, fun story about that is, like, I actually purchased this cool box set. It's like a Chan Wook Park box set, um, from a, a guy on YouTube. He was, like, he did, like, this, um these videos where he was selling parts of his, uh, collection, or, um, just, I don't know, I don't know where, where he got all of his stuff and where he was selling it, but I would watch his videos just in case there was some cheap stuff I wanted to buy, and I just thought the box set was really awesome looking, mm-hmm. but in the, in the video, he had mentioned, like, oh, this is region locked, and, um, so heads up, like, he sold it cheaper, too, because he, because most people don't have region free players, um, so I'm like, oh, I'll just buy it, and I'll uh, replace the discs with Region A copies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't know, something like when we when we got it together that night, I was like, I'm going to try this and see how, and I put Old Boy in, and it just it fucking worked, and I was ecstatic. I was beside myself because I was like, I don't got to rebuy these. Like, <laughs> I can just keep this really cool box set, and I got it really cheap because that guy clearly didn't. I don't know if he didn't test it out. Maybe he was told they were... Or maybe you got lucky with your DVD player. Maybe, but I don't care. Whichever, whichever I'm, I'll take it. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, there's a, it's a trilogy. The director, Chan Wook Park, he has a, um, a trilogy of movies called the Vengeance Trilogy. And I, there's a... Late, the uh, Lady Vengeance is like the third one, Old Boy, and um, I can't remember the name of the first one. Well, crap, I'm a failure. Yeah, and that's the only thing I knew going into this. So I, I just knew it was probably a Vengeance-centered movie. Yeah, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance was the first one. And it's funny because I've seen that one, and I can't remember the name. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't seen Lady of Vengeance, which is one that I do want to check out now that I know my box set works. Yeah. Um, but no, I, it's funny because you mentioned uh, when you first listened to the album, um, your album, mm-hmm. it was like around your freshman year. And I want to say around that same time, it was just after me and um, Rachel graduated from college. And that's around the time I was really into like watching Korean films. And that's when I first watched Old Boy was because it was it's, it's probably probably the most well-known uh, Korean film that has gotten the most like praise by american audiences i mean it even had a an american remake spike lee did one mm-hmm. um which i haven't seen and i don't really particularly want to i mean it, I, it's spike lee so you think it has the potential to be good but it's just i don't like he the completely idea. remade the movie yeah an american remake with uh, josh brolin in the lead who's oh, I like josh brolin. yeah but the problem is like i hate when like they take really good foreign movies and they americanize it and like to reach a wider audience and it's yeah. like really oh i'd like to say that there's no reason that you couldn't watch old boy and enjoy it even if you only speak english like we do yeah like it is it was completely fine with the subtitles mm-hmm 
Another thing that was lucky about the DVD is that it had both the, the dubbed and the sub version. So if you have to watch the dub version, you could. But we prefer to watch the yeah, subtitle. Yeah, because when we we started it, <laughs> I noticed it was dubbed, and I'm like, oh, hell no. Can we please, can we please touch this? I was subtitle? like, it better have a subbed version because I hate watching dub stuff because it just, it just ruins it. Yeah. The voices are always... I think the voice acting is usually not as good, and it just seems off, and mm-hmm. I'd rather watch the original content. Yeah, same, same with the few an- animes that we've watched. It's just like... Please, yeah. Subtitles. Mm-hmm. Like when we watched Attack on Titan, I'm like, I preferred the voices of the original. Yeah, yeah. But like I said, this is a this is directed by I I think I said it wrong earlier. Actually, it's Park Chan Wook, not uh, Chan Wook Park. Oh, okay. Um, but that's just my uh, my American ignorance of how you properly say. Um, besides the first movie in this trilogy, have you seen any other one besides this? An old bo- that an old boy. Um, let me think, because I know he's done a lot, um, I'm trying to go rack my brain here. I know as far as Korean films, we had, we no. had Parasite last Oh, yes, I have, um, big. Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer, it was by him? Yeah, well, no, he didn't direct it, that's, uh, that's the guy that direct. I feel racist now. Oh. <laughs> that's the guy that directed, um, Parasite, I'm oh, stupid. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just as um, far as, like, big Korean films that have, like, made a splash over in America. No, he... No, he made a movie called The Handmaiden that I, like... I had tended to watch, and I rented it at one point. <laughs> um, but I didn't... I didn't get around to watching it. Uh, so I would... I think it was just those two. I feel really stupid for saying Snowpiercer now. Because <laughs> I, I understand that there's... That not everybody... <laughs> Korea is the same person. Korean director. director. Leave me alone. That's Bong uh, Jun Ho or whatever that did yeah. Parasite. Oh, Parasite's so good. If you saw, if you saw, I haven't seen Parasite. You got to see Parasite. Uh, Snowpiercer is really good too. I may, I might have to bring that. Have you seen that one? Uh-huh. I actually saw that in theater with your dad, um, and it's it's really good. It's got Chris Evans in it. Um, I think the reason why I think that I thought that was the same guy was because the main actor. Um, an old boy, uh, I can't remember his name. The older guy? <laughs> the main guy, yeah. He, yeah. I think he's in Snowpiercer, so. Okay. Anyways, let's move on so I don't sound like more of a, a well, fool. There's a couple other Bong Joon-ho movies that are on, like, Hulu, I think, that I want to yeah. check out. Um, so I'm, I'm interested in checking out other Korean films. It's just my knowledge is very limited well, from a very narrow American point of view. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, Old Boy is a good place to start because it's I think it's the most easily accessible and, like, the most, um, like, mainstream successful one before Parasite came out. Right. I mean, obviously I would say Parasite is now because everyone saw that it won Best Picture and they yeah. all watched it. That was, that was pretty big. And I think it's I, I think it's huge because people watch that and see how good it is and be more open-minded to watching foreign films. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that came out in recent years it, for horror fans was the Train to Busan. Like that gained a lot of popularity with horror fans. That, I mean, it's not directed by either the two guys we had already talked about, but it's it's still like a really good Korean film. Um, another one that got decently popular is called I Saw the Devil, um, which a buddy of mine's actually showing at another one of my movie nights I do with some buddies it's strictly horror but um that's another one that that found success in U.S. I think mm-hmm. um anyway well, let's uh, talk a little bit more specifically about old boy and like yeah I don't want to give away what 
the ending is or what the the main point of it is. Like that's fair. The main point of the movie is that this guy was imprisoned for say fifteen years. Um, he doesn't understand why. So the whole point of the movie is for him to understand why he was in prison, and he's trying to get vengeance against this person. But it wouldn't be good for him if he didn't understand why he was in prison in the first place. Yeah, he I mean, yeah, because at the beginning of the movie, they kind of show how he's kind of just a um, a fool. Like he, he's, a drunk. he's like a drunk fool, and he just kind of like messes with people and, and rubs people the wrong way. So you kind of get an idea that he's, uh, like I said, rubs people the wrong way and, and kind of gets on people's bad side. Um, but then, then like Kiefer mentioned, he does get imprisoned, and you're kind of left wondering what's going on. There's obviously more to the story, and um, eventually, after like the 15 years, he gets released, and uh, he just starts tracking um, like where the prison was and who put him there and it just gets a little crazy after that it's it i would rec i would probably call this movie a like a mystery thriller yeah but it's also got some action thrown in um this movie's highly recognizable for its um like the way they choreographed the fight scenes so like the, the one long tracking shot fight scene that took place in the prison hallway mm-hmm. um when he just had the hammer and like he it, he was taking the guy's teeth out mm-hmm. um and then he fights all those guys in the hallway like that's probably what it's most widely regarded for because that's like a long tracking shot and it's just a really well choreographed fight scene it kind of reminds me of some modern stuff they did on daredevil yep and that's where it got its inspiration from okay daredevil dude yeah um uh and then even some of the like john wick stuff like they've kind of drawn inspiration from those things um but, yeah, I mean, how'd you feel about that? Like, I think that's, it's just so well shot, like, the way they did it. And yeah, the action scenes were great, and they didn't seem too dated or anything, like, something you could put out now. I don't know, when when did this movie come out? 2003 or two. Okay. Two or three. Yeah, because remember, like, when he's in prison for the 15 years, like, they kind of show, like, some news stories, and they even showed, like, a clip of 9-11. So, yeah. like, that kind of, like, made it feel a little dated, because, like, you, it's, it's like, that clip was, like more recent on his time frame when he was in jail yeah. like right before he got out and you're kind of like oh okay like 9-11 just happened and but well, that was the only way he could track time yeah um so that's i think that's like a big part and then like the reveal at the end which we're not going to say obviously no spoilers but um the reveal at the end was like a big twist like a really fucked up twist that kind of yeah, brings it to, brings it all together and explains what's going on and why it's happening. Yeah, and I think that that might be kind of... I, I have an idea of what happens in the third movie of the trilogy. I don't know if they're exactly... They're not... Con- together, yeah, they're separate like stories. That. I don't... Okay, they're not together at no, all? No, no, yeah. It's not like um, the same characters. It's like separate stories, so... That's cool. Or I, I wouldn't have shown you the second one if they connected. Right. But, um, but yeah, uh, I think that's another reason why, like, it's well, well known is because the twist is so, I think it's, it's fucked up. No, it's not obvious, but it's like fucked up. But at the same time, it's like, man, that's hardcore revenge. Like you watch so many revenge flicks and like, which is, it's a, it's a subgenre that I, I enjoy. Uh, myself, but yeah. you watch them all the time, and they're usually pretty like, oh yeah, you know, uh, so and so's kid or wife or 
husband were murdered and or raped and murdered or whatever it be and then they they're back for vengeance to take out all the people that performed the acts um but i mean in this case it's something completely different mm-hmm. um and what the person who's getting revenge on our our protagonist does is just not something you've ever seen before in a movie yeah um but uh yeah i don't know i don't know if i'll uh show the other ones maybe like further down the road so we're not doing like something so similar i'd like to try to jump around with uh time periods and genres but um yeah but i hope we do revisit a a korean director if it isn't this guy or yeah someone else i mean like i told you as far as foreign films go i found a lot of enjoyment in korean chinese and japanese films more so than uh, what what comes out of other countries? It's typically like like Europe or yeah. Like I mean, I've watched. I I feel like I've watched stuff from a good majority of like companies that put out films. Um, and I just the the Asian countries. I feel like they do film really well. Mm. Um, there's there's some good stuff that I've seen come out of like France and Italy and Germany, but um, I don't know. Like like those. Like, there's some really good stuff that I've seen come out of China and Korea, and they're just, they're so, like, raw and, like, not afraid to do, like, what they want to get their message across. They're not afraid to do anything. Like, sometimes Hollywood can be so polished and, like, censored, whereas, Mm -hmm. like, I feel like those Korean movies, they're just like, we don't give a fuck. Like, we're going to throw it out there. It's going to be raw, and you're going to feel it. Like, so, like, I I just really like Korean movies. China too, like there's a lot of great Chinese movies out there. So I, I may even show you some Chinese stuff. Um, okay. Uh, it's just it's yeah like and 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 old boy. I feel like it's both artsy and um like not pretentious at the same time. Like it's 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 yeah, accessible it to up. like the average audience, but it's also pretty artsy as well. For sure, yeah. Cause it, it had the action that would hold up. A candle to like a Hollywood blockbuster in, in any sense, but it also has like the writing and the the relationship building that you get in a, just a really well written like what you might call like an Oscar worthy. I don't yeah. know if this ever got any award recognition. Maybe if it came out today with more progressive Academy, you might see it get more of a run with the award system not that that necessarily matters to us as much mm-hmm. but it, it, i mean it really just matters if you like I, it i mean i don't recall seeing that it won anything like american wise awards but mm-hmm. i know um i'm a big fan of quentin tarantino and i know he highly praises this movie like it's mm-hmm. one of his favorites um and i'm sure it won plenty of awards in korea um like the korean film awards and stuff but um yeah i i I can't recommend it more yeah Um, and and when you talk about tarantino that's a good side note that it's a good way to find other stuff that you like if you like listen to the creators that you really respect and like like the outputs that you really like what they like what they talk about all the time like if i'm listening to like black flag i'm listening to what henry rollins says that he likes what he what really inspires him what he really gets him going like that's a good way to find new music, and that's a really good way, if you listen to directors, like, to find new other directors and check out their filmographies, because 
um, I think they really like to hold up these underrated and yeah. Respect. I mean, I couldn't agree more because I often do that because they are all film fans themselves and they're pulling inspiration from things that they see and love mm -hmm. and they're not necessarily wanting to like steal ideas and copy but they may take pieces here and there yep. and it's inspiration for their works or uh you just see you find people that are very similar in their styles and that's that's often what i'll do or if i listen to like specific critics that i tend to agree with and they talk about movies that I've never tried that's another good way but I highly recommend checking this out especially if uh, you haven't really delved into like the Korean film world I know again like I know it got popular with Parasite but um, hopefully you can go back and try to find some of these other ones that came out prior to Parasite and it's it's not just like Parasite like go further than that like some people are just like oh i love parasite but they're not like bothering to like go and check out other works i know i feel bad for <laughs> earlier saying like oh it's the same guy that did yeah but i promise i'm not that close-minded yeah like... it, it'll take a little bit of work to research it because uh, it's not as widely talked about in, in american scope so yeah i mean i encourage you to just go out and look on your own and do your own research so did you get anything new in your collection yeah let's talk about our collections okay let's not forget that part of this <laughs> well just yesterday i got a new record i'm talking about that first we're in north carolina it's been great out here we've been on the beach i got a nice sunburn it's great but we went to a record store and i found the fourth studio album by the damned i found the black album and uh, it was pressed in a limited run by Drastic Plastic Records. Um, so I'm excited to listen to that. I haven't, I haven't spun it because we don't have a turntable up here. But I'm excited to take that home. And before we left, I got a couple records from the now disgraced Final Me Please Record Subscription Club. Um, now disgraced because they hiked up their prices by 50% without much of a notice. That but, fucking blows. <laughs> no, but I got a couple Fiona Apple records that I ordered a while ago. Uh, when the Pawn and Fetch the Bolt Cutters, her, her, new, her newest LP. And also from Third Man, which is my favorite record company, I got Live at Goose Lake, which is uh, a soundboard recording made with their original lineup. The last recording of their original lineup. Of what? Of the Stooges. Oh, the Stooges. Yeah. Is, oh, uh, is it, like, because they're both from Detroit, like, both the Stooges and White Stripes, does he put out their stuff, or does he have, like, the rights to I their... I don't know how he got the rights to press them. I mean, they oh, get a okay. lot of weird ends with different bands to press their work. Like, he's pressing a Johnny Cash record for, with, for the Bolt yeah. this quarter. So I don't know exactly how Third Man gets their hands on stuff like that. Um, but I know Jack is a fan, so maybe he'd be more likely to pursue working with this artist you know, just based off of that and connecting Third Man to do that. But um, this is like the Rough Trade purple pressing that I got. Um, there's also indie pressings if you're interested in getting a Stooges live LP. 
Um, look up your local record store. You can find the Tan LP pressing or go to Third Man Records and find it there. Are they paying you to say that? I love Third Man Records. Uh, subscribe to The Vault. Gonna get a cut out of that. <laughs> We're advertising here. <laughs> Is that all you got, though? Or? Um, I don't remember exactly what. I also got the Paul McCartney flame. I know, it's pie. hard to remember I the, what I said last yeah. episode. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Um, I got a couple... I got one record waiting for me at home that I'll talk about next time. But it, it's not necessarily your typical vinyl. Uh, it's not really vinyl, even. Yeah. <laughs> Any, like, cassettes or magazines or anything? Just records? Um, I haven't gotten any magazines, because I think Barnes & Noble's been down, and that's usually my place to go for magazines. Okay. Um, Some zines? Some zines. Uh, he also cassettes. collects the zines. Yeah, the zines and the cassettes, but I haven't gotten any. I think it's been hard with the zines and COVID. Yeah, every, a lot of stuff's been hard from COVID, but... Yeah. Well, um, I got... I did get a really beautiful um, box set of Midsummer Ari Aster's Midsummer that is the director's cut, which is three-plus hours long, and I haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet, which I'm dying to get to, but uh, I hadn't had the opportunity to get to that before vacation, um, but I am very excited to get, to get that. A24 put it out on their website and it sold out almost immediately. Um, Lucky but you got it. Yeah, I know. I, uh, it's, it's got really beautiful artwork on the box and has like a nice, um, introduction in the booklet from Martin Scorsese and, um, high praises from Scorsese on Ari Aster's work, which is pretty, um, I'd say it's pretty awesome for Aster. Um, so yeah, I can't wait to check that out um i will be watching all three plus hours straight through yeah it's a really cool book i looked at it yeah i love how the disc uh connects with the artwork on the in the inside cover to make the may queen mm-hmm. uh, outline but um let's see what else did i get between i already mentioned my bruce lee criterion box set on the last episode um I don't know, man. It's been pretty slow. Like you said, yeah. with COVID, like, I mean, it's down to online shopping only. And, I mean, I'm trying not to spend as much money here lately, but hoping we're getting closer to the holidays here and we'll be getting a lot more new stuff you in the collections. Like 20 but, titles to talk about on Black Friday. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, November, December, January, we'll have, like, a lot of stuff. Yeah, but, I got a record store day next Saturday. Yeah, next episode will be good for Kiefer here. Um <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully I can get some stuff to talk about. I'm trying to beef up my VHS collection here, so hope maybe we can get to a flea market at some point and have some luck there. But just, uh, I did, right before we left, I did get a um, Scorpion releases on Ronin Flicks um, copy of Beyond the Door. It's an old 70s Italian uh, Exorcist ripoff, which... It's not the greatest movie, but I find it very hilarious and entertaining. Yeah. Um, I haven't got a chance to watch that, but I watched a digital copy on Shudder before I bought it, so... Well, not necessarily on this episode, but I hope on some future episode we'll talk about downsizing and selling, uh, get a little bit more into the specifics of our, our collections, and just how we necessarily pick out what we include and we grab and how, how we go about 
our collection process? Yeah, I I used to be all about quantity, but um, like it's when good, I was it's good to be selective. It is because like when I was younger, um, it was all about quantity, and I wanted to have a sizable collection to show off when people come over, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but over the years, like I'm getting kind of tired of making shelf space for things and. Um, especially when I'm not going to be watching certain things. Like, I don't want it just sitting there to collect dust just to, like, measure my collection size. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've just been uh, strictly doing uh, all about quality. If I think I'm going to rewatch something, um, I used to go out Black Friday and get everything I liked, mm-hmm. not necessarily what I want to rewatch um, because it was cheap. Um, now I've got it down to, like, especially this year with, with new releases not coming out due to COVID, I've like made my list of 2020 releases that I want to buy, and it's significantly smaller. I've even picked up most of them, honestly. Um, so there's like two or three titles of new releases that I still want to get. Um, I've held off on some things like uh, like uh, Parasite we mentioned earlier because there's a Criterion coming out for it. So I want to get the collector's copy. Oh, I did pre-order... Um, a 4K collector set of uh, Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket, which is one of two of the last of his movies that I need a collector's edition of. He's my favorite director, if you guys aren't aware. Um, and I have a collector's version of every of his, every single one of his movies except for Full Metal Jacket and then one of my all-time favorites, uh, Eyes Wide Shut, which Eyes Wide Shut hasn't uh, been properly put out in like a nice set. So once that happens, I'll be spending as much as I can to get that. But uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to getting the full metal jacket 4K set and may even uh, use that as one of my movies for the podcast if you haven't seen it. But okay, yeah, I kind of went on there. But like you said, we'll talk more about our downsizing and stuff in another episode. I just kind of got into it. Yeah, but... get more into the specifics of yeah. our collections and elaborate a little bit more this episode might be uploaded a little later than normal but uh you should be getting another one right after this not long after because we're due for our next movie record night so yeah again thanks for listening and um hopefully we can maybe if if we start getting enough listeners we'll open up some kind of communication line if people want to write in yeah talk about their collections or ask us questions so Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah. Till then, uh, take care, guys, and make sure you wear your masks and stay in. Stay safe. <laughs>